A year and a half ago, I retired after 40 years in the Presbyterian ministry. At about the same time, my wife retired from her work as a consultant in the Royal. As retirement loomed, we asked ourselves, was there something we could or should be doing once we retired? Over the years, I had always, in addition to being an ordinary Commoner Garden Presbyterian minister, I had always done some part-time theological teaching. Probably about 15 years in Belfast Bible College and about seven in Trinity and Singapore. And I did a a term full-time teaching in Union Biblical Seminary in Maharashtra in India in 1980. Um, So obviously one of the thoughts was, is there some third world Bible college or theological college where they would be temporarily short-staffed where we could help out? Um, aware that in many such colleges there would be some missionary away home on furlough or somebody away working for their PhD or somebody on maternity leave or somebody sick or whatever. So we'd begun to send out uh, various feelers. In some ways it was a, a good time for us to go We both appeared to be in rude good health. Um, The children were all married and could do without us for a while. Um, When we'd gone out, let's say, to India, we had an 18-month-old baby and a six-week-old baby to look after. When we went to Singapore, we had a five-year-old and a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And when we were going to Singapore, we worried about Pat's mum and dad. Uh, missing their only child and their only grandchildren for seven years. This time, uh, none of those worries. Perhaps mum and dad had passed away just in the few years before we retired. So we suddenly found ourselves quite free. So we'd done some inquiries. And then in a, in a kind of routine Christmas email to an old friend, an ethnic Chinese whom I'd known in Singapore days and who, like me, had always been a, an ordinary Presbyterian minister, but doing some theological teaching as well. I mentioned to him what we were thinking about. And with the wonders of email, he was back in about five minutes from Sydney saying, you must go to Vanuatu. Google. Um, my friend Andy Williamson, I'd never heard of it. My friend Andy Williamson's been teaching there in a college there, Presbyterian College, for 15 years. He's having to leave in April and they've got no one to teach his timetable through to the end of the current academic year in early December, you could go. Andy was even an Old Testament man, and they they need somebody with a doctorate for their accreditation purposes and so on. Uh, You could could go. I will give your name to my friend, Kevin Murray, who is the director of Australian Presbyterian World Mission. Uh, The Presbyterian Church of Australia is the nomination which commits itself to providing two staff members for this college. A college of about 200, what am I talking about? A college of about 80 full-time students. And seven members of staff, four are Nivan people. Nivanawatu is the term for the people of Vanuatu and three expats. And so we Skyped and FaceTimed with Kevin and, uh, in June of last year, 
just over a year ago, uh, away we went. Uh, after awful and ongoing hassles about visas uh, and such like, we were received in the Presbyterian Church of Australia's Queensland Assembly and prayed for and hands laid upon and so on. And then we flew on from Brisbane to, to the island we were on in Vanuatu. So maybe at this point we should have a look at a map and see where the place is. It's halfway between Fiji and the Solomon Islands. There are small dots there, I assure you. <laughs> and, and now we could have the, the closer up one of, of Vanuatu. It is an archipelago of about 80 islands, of which about 10 are the main ones. 80 inhabited islands. I don't know how many thousand there are altogether. 80 inhabited islands, about 10 main islands. We were on the largest island, that northern one called Santo, Espiritu Santo. And the, the capital is on the central island there of Efate. The capital is Port Vila. And um, away we went. What do I have next? Right. The people of Vanuatu, in the Pacific Ocean, there is a, a group of islands known as Melanesia. And that means Melas, Nezos, Black Islands. The people of these islands are black-skinned. Uh, the countries of Melanesia are Papua New Guinea, Solomon Islands, Vanuatu, New Caledonia, and Fiji. The people who live in the islands further out into the middle of the Pacific Ocean, which is known as Polynesia, are much more light-skinned of a different race. Um, these are two of the students in the college uh, with their graduation garlands around their necks. Um, it's one of the great missionary stories of the church. The people of Vanuatu were cannibals engaged in almost constant internal Warfare with one another until the gospel arrived in the 1840s and 1850s. Ten of the early missionaries, the, the missionaries were mainly Presbyterians from Scotland and from Nova Scotia, which at that time was a strong missionary sending Presbyterian country or colony or whatever it was at that time. Um, uh, about 10 of the Western missionaries were, were murdered. In case we give the impression an unnecessarily wicked interpretation to that, we should understand that there was always a context of some sort. When John Williams of the London Missionary Society set foot on Futuna in 1840, the very first. Uh, he was murdered within hours because six months earlier a white trading ship had taken several Nevan girls 
in every case there was some reason for it, however wrong. And I was pleasantly surprised to read how the missionaries in the early days didn't get as upset as I would have thought they would have at their colleagues being murdered. They said to themselves, these people do not understand. We must persevere. Today, Vanuatu is over 80% Christian. Uh, it is a very peaceful place. Pat and I are given to walking for miles and miles and miles and miles wherever we are in the world. And we would walk for miles along uh, the dirt roads of Santo, walk for miles along the beach, and never feel in any danger whatever. You would occasionally see coming to meet you ten or a dozen scruffily dressed black guys all with machetes in their hands, and you would have a certain frisson, perhaps, and we would look at each other, but they would be Presbyterians to a man, and uh, maybe an occasional Methodist in there or something, you know, but, um, so no worries at all. Lovely, delightful people. Um, we arrived and we were warmly received. When you go to work overseas, you could easily be lonely for a while. You don't know a soul. You don't know your way around. You don't speak the language. But at Talawa, it is a residential college, so really a self-contained village in a clearing in the forest, in a remote place a community of about 150 people, the 70 students and their wives and children and the staff and their wives and children. And it was like coming into a big family from the word go. It was, it was lovely. And I, I taught Andy's workload. Pat didn't know what she was going to have to do, but shortly she wondered if there would be some medical work she could do. Um, but shortly before we left, they said, we need desperately somebody to teach English. Could uh, Mrs. Dr. Hart do that? Um, now, teaching English, let me explain the language situation that would cause a need for that. The people of Vanuatu living on a hundred different islands, speaking different languages from one another, brought up with a different heart language, mother tongue, a hundred different mother tongues for 300,000 people because the different islands and because even on one island, every island in Vanuatu totally covered with dense tropical rainforest, almost impenetrable. So there could be a group of villages here on an island and another group of villages 10 miles away, and they would never have seen each other. So separate languages had developed for thousands of years, languages completely different from each other. There is then, for the past one and a half centuries, a trade language, an English pidgin language called Bishlama, which grew up to facilitate 
increasing contact between people on the different islands and on, on individual islands, and that is the national language of Vanuatu. Um, sitting listening to someone speaking in it, we would hardly understand any word. You would get an occasional word. That would be about it. Um, when kids go to primary school, the first three years are in their mother tongue. The next three years are in Bishlama. When they start secondary and then tertiary, it's English. So for all of them, it's at least there are some French-speaking, because there was a, a French background as well, there are some French-speaking secondary schools. So for all of our students, English was either their third or their fourth language. So they needed a great deal of help with their English. And theological lecturers haven't time when they're correcting an assignment to correct all the grammar and the spelling and so on. They need to see if the student has got his or her, her head round the theology. Um, one of the three expat teach, teachers was a New Zealand lady with an English teaching qualification. She was able to teach three of the year groups, but two year groups hadn't had an English teacher since the beginning of the year. So Pat gave herself to teaching English to the students. It was largely a matter of giving them things to write and then going through it with them and pointing out mistakes. And it was enormously helpful to the students. And she got close to the students. She, got us, she maybe got closer to them than I did in, in some ways because she would ask them to write about their faith's journey. That kind of stuff. Um, there were some opportunities for her to do occasional work in the hospital and in the clinic in the town, but the town was an hour's drive away across a bad road, and we didn't have a vehicle. Uh, we could occasionally uh, hire, borrow the, the school truck. That was expensive and not always available. So there were very lim limited opportunities for her to get involved there. But she got involved in all kinds of interesting piece, bits and pieces, going on small boats to different islands to do immunizations and so on. Um, what else do I need to say? The, on two of the islands, including our island, there are still unreached people groups. And some of our students, most of our students, would be becoming ministers of the Presbyterian Church of Vanuatu. Some would be becoming ministers of the Church of Melanesia, the Anglican Church, a much smaller denomination there. And there were several other students from other denominations. The college in that sense was, uh, was ecumenical, training both men and women for the ministry of the Presbyterian Church. Uh, most of them would become ministers of the, of the church, but some would become bush mission workers, was the expression used in the effort to reach out to these unreached people groups on Santo and on Malakula, uh, two of the large northern islands. Um, so exciting to be somewhere near the effort to reach out with the gospel for the first time. I was very happy to function within, under the leadership of the indigenous church, the principal and one of the four staff, they were all uh, Nivanawatu, and it was important to come in and function under their leadership and not to be in any way taking away from 
their control of their own affairs as a, as a denomination there. The college has two courses running, a diploma course, a, a three-year diploma course and a four-year degree course. Um, trying to have different levels available for the students. Um, some, some general reflections about, about this kind of thing. Uh, for until fairly recently, Western Christians had a solemn responsibility to take the gospel to countries where the gospel was not known. Missionaries went out. That day is over. Thankfully, um, in every country in the world, there is a functioning indigenous church of Jesus Christ. It is largely their responsibility to reach out with the gospel to their own people. They are far better at doing it than Westerners. Our solemn responsibility today, it seems to me, is if there are areas of weakness which churches in other countries are aware of in their own outreach and efforts, if we can help them with that area of weakness, then we have a solemn responsibility to do so. Uh, it has to be one of the great strengths of the worldwide church of Jesus Christ, that if there's a weakness in one part, it can be supplied from somewhere else. It's not rocket science, it seems to me. Um, so by and large, our effort, I think, today has to be focused on seeing if we can be of help in other parts of the world um, and going in under their leadership and in submission to them and aiming for a day when we will no longer be needed, when we can make them fully self-reliant uh, and self-sufficient. Although maybe the day will never come. Maybe it will always be, a, maybe it'll always be that it will be possible and even necessary to help one another in the worldwide church of Jesus Christ. I suppose if the missionary motto, the missionary text for many years was go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Great commission at the end of Matthew. Maybe the great text for us today would be a phrase that the apostle Paul uses uh, in Philippians, and indeed as a kind of a theme of Philippians, partnership in the gospel. Uh, it's in the opening verses of Philippians and in several other places, Koinonia. Uh, partnership in the gospel, going in and trying to make sure that we are not uh, doing more harm than good sometimes going in with Western money can be a distraction, a temptation, and can do more harm than good. It's a matter of very carefully and very delicately trying to work out, can we go in and help 
in such a way that we actually are helping and not contributing to dependency is extraordinarily difficult and requires great wisdom by, by sending churches and by people who go. I think that is all I would like to say this morning. Um, we are deeply grateful to have had the opportunity to go and serve in Vanuatu. It was wonderful to explore a few more slides to show, but in closing. Um, wonderful to, to get to know a totally new country that we'd never heard of, a totally new people that we'd never heard of before, and uh, to find the change that the gospel of Jesus Christ has made in their hearts and in their lives and in their whole country, a deeply Christian country, uh, with, with all manner of problems, but a deeply Christian country, heartwarming to be in. Um, in case the thought ever occurs to you in the circles of cultural anthropology these days there would be those who would say you have no business going in you westerners with your religion and your values and destroying the customs the native customs and the way of life of those people you may be familiar with such ideas. Our students, of course, studied cultural anthropology. Uh, talking to one of the students one day, I was saying about that attitude, and he, he just sneered. He said, what do they want? Should you have left us here with our cannibalism and our warfare and running around naked with our war paint? Um, for the Nivanavatu, they much prefer the hospitals and schools and the God of love and grace uh, who has changed their lives and their whole way of life. Um, what else do I have there? That's Dorothy, a lovely student for the ministry. There's a bunch of kids. That's the college. You can see, you can see the, the, the uh, maybe an hour we longer look at the previous one. Um, yeah. The dirt road, the potholes, some of them a lot bigger than that. Uh, single story buildings. Um, those are the better, the better buildings in the, on, the, on the campus. Uh, many of the students had a proper little block house uh, like ours. Um, Many of them were just in branch and thatch houses. Uh, go on a wee bit there, do we see what else we've got? Yeah, some of the staff houses. Yes, go on, right. Mm. Graduation. There's our house and the college truck parked in front of it. As you can see, we had solar panels, which was great for giving us a ceiling fan in the middle of the day and um, uh, able to keep our laptop and phones going during the day. Um, that's more ordinary houses out in a nearby village. Uh, yes. The, the chief, most, the best known missionary to Vanuatu was John G. Payton from Scotland. Every Nivan in the entire country would know the name John G. Payton. 
He's actually the, the grandfather of the former minister of Malone Presbyterian, Philip Ernest Peyton. Um, Peyton survived for years daily danger of instant death. Um, after several years, he decided the mission needed a boat to get missionaries onto other islands to supply them, to rescue them if necessary, instead of relying on the occasional sandalwood trader boat coming and going among the islands. So he came to Australia and Nova Scotia and Scotland and Northern Ireland and this would have been in the 1860s raised money and they bought a boat called the Dayspring the Morning Star bringing the light of the gospel to, uh, to these dark lands and when the boat finally sank they rescued the nameplate from it and it's on the library front wall of Talawa Theological College in Santo uh, to this day sitting around devouring some um, strange food on the floor out of, out of banana uh, leaf um, it wasn't all work um, one day after church we were able to borrow the truck and away we went, we went to this beautiful place lovely beaches, lovely sea um, the, the, the college was on a clearing in the forest but it was, it was close to the shore and when the weather got hotter and hotter towards December nearly every afternoon lectures in the morning 7 till 12 nearly every afternoon, middle of the afternoon with the heat getting a bit hot Pat and I would scramble and clamber down to the shore and swim in clear warm Pacific waters over beautiful coral of the reef and uh, wonderful fishes and the reef thankfully keeping the sharks out we hoped um, a, student, a student and his wife and two little children in front of our house um, okay. uh, the story of, of um, yeah, Pat's saying I can't get stopped here I, I, I will stop honestly um, Tomato's story interesting he had he was a, a pastor's son, and he, he had been brought up in his childhood when his father was pastoring in the Bush Mission, and there were no schools. Um, so Tomato wasn't in school until he was 12. Uh, so his English was even worse than everybody else's. Uh, such are the struggles that many of the students would have to, uh, would have to cope with. Um, That's the last one, isn't it? Do ah. you want an example of Vishlama, of the pigeon? If you say it out loud, you can sometimes figure it out. Suppose you want the meat belonging to you, belonging to you uh, in, long in the ice box belong Mifala, which belongs to me. Uh, you ask Mama Pat, that's from my wife Pat, uh, long close-up house. She's next door. 
she will let you in and get, you can get your meat out of the icebox. Uh, we are thankful to God for the opportunity of service we had, and I hope it is of interest to you as you continue to reflect on ways in which, uh, as, a Western, as Western Christians, we may be of help to our, our brothers and sisters in other countries. Uh, a country like Vanuatu, desperately poor, physically desperately poor. No one has any money, hardly at all. Um, but they, they love the Lord Jesus. 